And we then wind up doing our marriages a disservice because we have folks who are sexually inept and like, I don't know, my, my anus from my knee. What really is the most perverted thing about sex now is the power that we've ascribed to it. We can't in good conscience be giving ourselves over to people, participating in sex when we don't know our own bodies. Mm. We don't know how our bodies work. They don't want to make Jesus mad, so they hurry up and rush to the altar, experience the sex is either good or it's not, and then they're like, I don't even really like you. Hi, and welcome to Candid Podcast with me, Lady T. This is a podcast where I dive into many topics and issues relating to relationships, life, politics, and pop culture, and so much more. Now, we are about to get deep and graphic about today's topic. So uh, the contents of this episode uh, may contain some graphic descriptions of a sexual nature and also mentions of uh, male and female genitalia. Now, my guest on today's episode is the founder of The Intimacy Firm. Uh, it's an intimacy coaching and sexuality education agency um, that she set up. And she also has a, an online web series called My Vulva and Me, which I find very fascinating um and my guest today is uh Brittany Broadus Smith hello Brittany hi 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 Lady T how are you thank you so much for having me I am so excited about this conversation honestly I'm so glad that you said yes <laughs> um I've been looking for someone um not only who deals and talks about you know everything about sex but also a Christian because there is such uh, a negative kind of like tone there's negative views about sex I mean sex is supposed to be a great thing but I guess as humans and as Christians at that too it's just turned into something very negative and it's quite sad yeah. it's quite it's quite sad indeed so um so we're going to talk about quite a lot of things today uh, we're going to try and get in as much as possible <laughs> with you so um I want you to tell us, like, so tell us a little bit about you, um, what you do, and, you know, and how this all came about. Sure. Um, I, oh, let's see. So originally, strangely enough, up until my first day of college, I wanted to be a lawyer. Oh. It was not on my radar, like, at all. Like, literally, there are, like, first, second, third grade, like, papers of me like when I grow up I'm going to be like I just know it's going to be Johnny Cochran I was going to take over the world live in a condo in New York and just like walk in my Louboutins like pointing and telling people what to do. <laughs> like, that was going to be my life so some of that is true I do point and tell people <laughs> I love it <laughs> but I got into I went to school I didn't I knew that political science was going to bore me to tears so I just couldn't do that I switched mm -hmm. over to psychology and I really I've always been in the helping professions always even from a young kid like I've always like loved people engaging with people I've always been an extrovert that type of thing and so when I got into psychology and just learning how like personalities and like the mind works and things like that I was like oh yeah this is this doesn't feel like a lift like this is homework this is school but like this is just like my natural inclinations right mm -hmm. and then 
um, I recognize just like logistically that I would have had to like make any real money. I would have had to be, go all the way through to get my PhD. And I was like, I don't have time for that. <laughs> Ironically enough, I'm currently. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so um, I started doing social work. I got a degree, um, bachelor, I mean, a master's degree in social work. And from there, it was always the clinical side, the family side. I was a child welfare social worker. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm working with families, um, victims of child abuse, sex abuse, like that kind of thing. And then I knew that I'm looking at that dynamic and I saw how the, the relationship, the parental unit, how they engaged with one another, how they felt about themselves and you know, how they engaged with their, their children, like really impacted a lot of what we saw as far as the family dynamic and the family units. I got really intrigued with couples work and I thought like, okay, cool. I can just be I'm a clinician. I'm a licensed social worker. I can just do couples therapy. No problem, right? (laughs) I get married 22 years old to someone uh, 11 years older than me. He's a deacon in the church. So I come and by default, by that structure, I'm now a deaconess. Right. Years old, deaconess. (laughs) Wow, that's young to be with you. What is that? What is that? What does that even mean, right? (laughs) And I am like, in like entrenched in the church structure, like, you know, preaching, teaching Bible study, teaching Sunday school, like all of those things. And I'm learning that we were from a very transparent church. And um, I was hearing things about like the relationship dynamic. And then, you know, the wives, we would have our little talks off to the corner. And I'm like, I see how the men are engaging publicly. And then I'm like, that ain't what your wife just told me the other day. Like, so, you know, it's like, adding up right and so I asked my pastor if I could teach a Sunday school called sex and salvation and like really my purpose was not like this wasn't like the the heart behind it but I knew this would be an opportunity Mm -hmm. to kind of have the conversation of how being a selfish lover is likened to sin yeah yeah like in a like overall space but then also encourage single folks that like just because you're not married doesn't mean you're like this social leper and like right like there's pleasure to be experienced even Mm -hmm. if you're not having sex and like all of that so I saw that as an opportunity to do all that Mm -hmm. and we taught the class I taught the class and I was nervous as all heck because you know talking about sex with married folks and single folks in the same room like like my mind is going in two separate braids like how do I even encourage one without encouraging another one another. yeah the balancing yep I yep. was like I bit off a little bit more than I could chew here I was just <laughs> oh my god but so we got into it and went really well one of the elders of the church came up to me and said um this was amazing like this is so good like I learned so much new stuff and like but he was like I don't think that this should have happened in the sanctuary we should have done this in a fellowship hall and I was mm-hmm. So he wanted us to do like over in the place where we eat the food, like where you serve the cookies and the juice after, after church. Do it over there. Don't do it in like the specialty, like where the auxiliaries meet, like not, not on the sanctuary, not from the pulpit. We don't talk about sex from there. Oh and Lord. It was, it was that mindset that said, okay, Brittany, you're on to something. Mm. And like, I'm the person I don't really, you, you rarely ever hear me say, oh, well, God told me and God said, and I hear the Lord saying like, I have a very real relationship with Jesus, but I just don't talk like that. Mm-hmm. But in this instance, after that moment, and like 
there was like a breaking that happened. Like folks were like that moment, people were asking questions. Wives had space to ask questions that they've always had, but couldn't. Husbands were kind of like um, now being held accountable for certain things. Husbands got the chance to ask questions and be, you know, vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Single people got asked those questions. And I was like, okay. And it was almost like, if I've ever heard the audible voice of God, it was at that moment where he mm-hmm. was like, this is what I want you to do. Wow it was a struggle and much like anything, like, you know, I've heard wherever your purpose is, that's where you'll be tried the most. And so even agreeing, getting my husband on board to allow, to allow me, and that's very strong. I can't air quotes allow enough, um, wow. but allow me <laughs> to, um, or be okay, or be on board with me going <laughs> to school for this and being like the public face of sexuality. Right. Was, it took like two years before he was okay with it two years two years yeah I graduated with my first master's in 2012 I took a break um intentionally and then I'm like I'm ready to go back to school because I always knew like I always knew some type of education was always going to be in my thing like yeah, my kids yeah. seven they don't know mommy not in school mm. and so this is just like you know the thing and it's so it took from 2016 no 20. 13 to when I was sorry um 2013 to when mm-hmm. I to, to finally was just like okay mm-hmm. I, I re-enrolled for my master's in human sexuality in 2015. Wow okay so with human sexuality what does that actually involve because I've never heard that type of uh something like that exist like what t- what type of sexuality courses are <laughs> are there is that is it a global thing or is it just an american thing or is it just you can you know you know it's interesting i would um i mean human sexuality is a field of study so like Mm. that's like it's a now whether it's like common in other places um is i wouldn't know Mm. um but it's a field of study like and there are like international and nationally recognized you know sexologists and things that you know they knew but the school that I went to it's one of I think one of only two accredited programs here in the United States right. and so people come from all over we had international students fly in to attend class the way it's structured is our semesters um run 15 weeks mm-hmm. and so every 15 weeks uh two weekends per semester we would come together for um, a weekend and Mm -hmm. all day Saturday, all day Sunday to just learn. And then everything else was online. And Mm -hmm. we have people come from all across the country, all around the world to this particular um, program. And so human sexuality is just the study and being a sexologist, being an expert in the field of human sexuality, which is understanding the activity, the theory, the practice um, of the act of sex but also the concept of sexuality like anatomy physiology um romance uh uh, interpersonal engagement Mm -hmm. identity like all of those you know even there's like the dark side of it like sexualization like there's the circles of sexuality that look at intimacy um Mm -hmm. reproduction um sexualization like all of those identity all of those things are like an umbrella thing that make up who we are as yeah beings like our race the human race continues through this medium of human sexuality and so that's basically just understanding what that means wow that sounds that sounds 
interesting and I'm sure was it was it kind of intense to to learn about that kind of stuff did it like how much of a shift in what what kind of things did you um did you think that you knew but then when you got into it it completely flipped your mind so what kind of things that changed your thoughts about the whole sex human sex thing you know what's really interesting is that I was always so this one of the things that this process taught me that there's very much a difference between interest and knowledge Mm. and like what in being like interested in something to the point of it becoming a hobby and then interested in something to the point of it becoming your life's work right like because it's that thing that switch between doing it when you don't want to doing it if you would do it for free like that kind mm. of thing. and mm. so what I learned what I found in this program so when I my first weekend that right like I'm interested in sex I'm I'm the one that my friends come to I'm talking about it in the church and like oh wow all of these, all of these you know all these things like I know don't say vagina say vulva like you know all of those things because but like vagina is just like just the internal part of the genitalia like a woman's in genitalia the vagina the only part that is the vagina is the internal part but we call the whole thing it is not I'm learning today <laughs> That is the vulva, V-U-L-V-A. And so here's Veronica right here. So this whole thing, everything that we have is the vulva. The only part that is the vagina is this part, like the part where babies the come inside. out, sometimes go in, you know, oh. whatever you're into. Um, that's the only part that's vagina. So I knew that. So I was just like among the elite, right? <laughs> then first weekend first weekend of school I, I love school so I got my fresh notebooks my pencils I printed out all my syllabi I got all my books my tabs my highlighters I'm ready to go right we introduce ourselves we do like processing activities like I'm like oh yes I'm home with my people after the lunch break so we were there we started at about nine o'clock we did all the introduction preliminary go over the syllabus and all of that but after lunch we all meet in the huge lecture hall we're going to have a demonstration i'm sorry what we're going to have every that and so it's a bunch of classes happening at once because it's the whole program structured like this so all of the new class comes into this huge 250 seater lecture hall and maybe maybe a hundred of us or less in this huge lecture hall the guest speakers are at the front of the room and draped in all the leather menagerie that you can find in the world. Whips, chains, floggers, all of the things. And so get your pens and pencils out, boys and girls. We're getting ready to learn today. So wait, are you telling me that you had that? Are you telling me that you had actual people have? No, there there wasn't actually any intercourse okay because we did not watch any of that okay. but there were live kink demonstrations we've had interviews i we did a live zoom interview with a minor attracted adult um he wasn't an offender but he, wow. was, um, he was admittedly attracted to minors um <laughs> so he was kind of like lived off by himself um didn't really engage with um, folks because he knows he understood his attraction and he did not want to offend so he um closed himself off so this thing can actually be quite so you really get to see the the dark side of I, the, I mean I wouldn't necessarily call it I mean for a minor attraction I guess folks will call it that I wouldn't necessarily call it the dark their dark side as much as I would call it 
all sides mm. of sexuality. So what that process is called, because we did it that first weekend, I think actually first couple of weekends, we it's called a SAR, um, sexual attitude uh, readjustment or reassessment. Um, and it's almost like immer- immersing yourself in all of the things, the most extreme or um, uncommon of things and behaviors to really force your biases, your unconscious biases to the surface, mm. allow you to process and group alone through homework assignments to really figure out if this is really what you want to do. And if this is what you want to do, who you can and cannot work with, who are you called to, like those, um, that type of thing. And so we did that. There were, um, we had to watch and analyze pornography. We had, you know, we really, and then after we would just watch a clip from, you know, a trans uh, orgy or something like that. Right, and we right, right. Process our feelings. Like, how do we feel about that? What did we notice? What, you know, what was happening? And it was, it really changed sex for me. Because, mm-hmm. you know, whatever your position on pornography is, watching it in the dark and with your homework notebook out in, in a room with 20 people and then processing your feelings afterwards, it's an it's a, it's a entirely different experience, yet very invaluable mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. experience. And I guess because so, it allows you to learn about it allows you to learn and then the live demonstrations with the kink demonstrations and things like that, like folks meeting folks from the leather community and that's like being able to ask folks from the community directly questions mm-hmm, so that mm-hmm. you kind of demystify these things. You now you're no longer swayed by what media says this group or this behavior mm-hmm. or this, you know, mm-hmm. these ideologies are about. Like people in the community really speaking to you about what's going on and then really just developing your identity as a sexuality practitioner or professional yeah definitely wow that is so (laughs) that is so interesting the sunday before and the sunday after because i couldn't go to church because i was in school so i was like honey bring the oil child we got the whole hands we got i need y'all to keep me covered like my first lady and like the people like the like the older women at the church like they listen this is your school weekend you ready you got everything you need did you pray like they were just so afraid that I was just gonna be I was gonna leave wild like that that's it I'm done it was it was it was amazing like it's one of those things that is just like I wish that there was a SAR not maybe not an extreme not to that uh extreme mm-hmm. but if there was an like immersion experience particularly mm-hmm. for people of faith that kind of just like let's deal with your stuff let's get this stuff up let's uproot it pull it from you know bring it to the surface keep you know keep what serves us discard what doesn't and really just trek ahead for like just a brighter future like I really yeah. think it's the untalked about the undealt with things that really keep us in this space where we are yeah and and let's talk about that the church which is um <laughs> i mean so many people are always coming for the church you know as as the body at the end of the day the the, the people who who run who have leadership and everything like that because <laughs> well we all are the church but predominantly they're the head so um there's a lot of and i know when we when we were going to talk about this you know we kind of thought okay what kind of things can we explore and i wanted to explore you know the churches sort of views on sex and sexuality and and there was something that you mentioned as well about the the shame element of it which seems to be a huge 
thing you know talking about it can be shameful engaging in in it can be uh, can be shameful um and just discussions about it and it's it's, it's kind of crazy so like what what are you finding when you go to churches or when you approach churches about this the topic of sex um and why it is important to to talk about it because i know for me if you're going to get married or even if you're not married i think it's just good to know these things so that you know the expectations and things to look out for things you need to know beforehand but they don't want to teach you that so what kind of things are you finding or have you found yeah and so and a lot of times where we're in a space now where i think we've actually moved away from this idea that oh the church doesn't talk about sex the church mm-hmm. decided about this. we're kind of like this new age you know post post modern church we are um folks are having a conversation more the issue is this thought that church leadership has to be everything to the body to their particular congregants and beyond their skill set you would never go to a cardiologist and have him look at your feet like it's just not and so but with pastors they're expected to shepherd the flock and lead the counselor and the sex educator and the financial planner mm-hmm. and all of those things so what i'm finding is that a lot of times pastors will bring me in because they are like spent with trying to connect the dots for folks mm-hmm. that relate to sex intimacy and relationships but they keep seeing these re- these related issues mm-hmm. in their in their counseling sessions, in their pastoral counseling sessions. Mm -hmm. And so there are are specialties for a reason, like even within churches, you have ministries, you have the performing arts ministry, you have the finance ministry, you have people gifted and skilled and talented to do a certain thing called to that particular area. So um, I think we're we're in a place where folks are having the conversation more, but just like not the right people, not, not the right people or the people who are having it aren't equipped with just that practical understanding. Professionals, basically. Health. Exactly. And helping just like expand this idea that the only the ministry that happens in the four walls or that are birthed out of the four walls of the church count. Because mm. there, you know, when he said, go ye therefore into all nations, like that means there are disciples in all parts of the world and all aspects of life. There are um, Christian doctors, lawyers, basketball players, like they're like we, everything that everything. you God will staff your weaknesses. So mm-hmm. anything that you need, there are his people there doing that work. And so what times that I'll come in and I'm teaching lessons or doing things. And a lot of times it's kind of like an intervention as opposed to prevention. And wow. I think that if we just adopt, because the, the thing is that I'm not even expecting, um, at one point I had the, I was of the thought that the church should teach sex ed, that there should be a space for it, that it should be included in their Sunday school roster, which I still kind of lean to, but if you don't have people t- skilled to have that conversation, then don't start it because mm-hmm. then you're doing this or because misinformation is just as bad as no information. Right. And possibly even worse and so I think that if we as the as believers we do have a responsibility to create or foster a culture where the conversation is sanctioned Mm -hmm. so that even if I'm not coming to my particular ministry I know I don't feel like I'm doing something sneaky or or, you know dipping my toe in something that doesn't belong if I have the conversation elsewhere Mm -hmm. right and just establishing 
just as a culture sex positivity like in the way we name our body parts how we teach our children our body parts like we'll do head shoulders knees and toes it takes two more seconds to say labia vulva like teach it what like you like you're actually going out of your way to give genitalia a nickname like you had like when we call it a pocketbook when we call it the cookie when we call all the you're going out of your way to call it something else to teach the children that is something other than what it is like you don't call a foot a standard like, <laughs> get your dirty standards off my standard I love that. Or holder uppers off my couch like no you don't do you just say feet mm-hmm. and so just say vulva just say labia just say phoenix like that's what it is and like really normalizing those things will really desensitize us mm. to, to sex and it really is like pulls back the power but if we're if we're talking about if we if we really get into the conversation like perversion and like all the things that the the church is afraid of what really is the most perverted thing about sex now is the power that we've ascribed to it mm. and the problem is that the god created sex Sex yes. is a gift that he created and gave us. Mm-hmm. It is. It was on his mind from the garden. What he told Adam and Eve, first commandment as husband and wife is to be fruitful and multiply. Mm-hmm. He created our bodies when he told us, gave us the command to multiply. The only way that we can multiply is through the process of reproduction, which is a sexuality concept, right? Mm-hmm. And it's all of his infinite wisdom, his omniscience, his omnipotence, his, all of the things that make God who he is, he can do all of that, but he didn't also need it to feel good. Mm-hmm. But he decided, okay, I'm going to throw a clitoris in there as well. I'm going to throw a frenulum in there as well. I'm going to throw these, these nerve endings and these erogenous zones in there as well because this is how they're going to have to do it. I want them to feel good about it. Yeah. You know I mean? And so just even that, like including pleasure in the conversation of it, not just normalizing it, but being intentional and specific about what is included in the conversation. Right. Really says to believers that it's okay Mm, mm, really mm. says to believers that you are not upsetting God with this because even while you're abstaining and so that's the thing that it's like we have this all or nothing mentality that I can't talk about it think about it dream about it look at it at all until I get married Mm. And then we then wind up doing our marriages a disservice because we have folks who are sexually inept and like, I don't know my, my anus from my knee. Oh my God. And so what do I do? Like I had a colleague of mine who was working with a couple for years. It was an arranged marriage. They were, um, they were from India. Mm. Um, They came here, they moved here and got married. They actually are really, even though it was an arranged marriage, they're like really in love, but they struggle with infertility for years and then once they started working with my colleague, who's actually an old professor of mine, come to find out he was trying to penetrate her urethra. Oh, wow. Wow. So not only was she like, what is this all for? This hurts. They weren't making a baby because they don't know what they were doing. Oh, no way. And that feels extreme to people. But the fact that they're still in the year of our Lord, 2021, women who think that they pee out of their vagina that's a problem that is a problem I don't like we can't in good conscience be giving ourselves over to people participating in sex when we don't know our own bodies Mm -hmm. we don't know how our bodies work 
And so when you do that, you are always and forever a per- like perpetually allowing sex to just happen to you. We're mm. not actively participating and experiencing the fullness that it was intended to be when it's just like going with the flow, you know? Wow. And, and 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 it kind of leads me to uh, questions about you know the preparation for 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 sex and um, for men and women to know their bodies and especially for um, for someone either both couples who've never had sex before and then you go into your you know they tell you you wait you wait till you're married to have sex you know da 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 and it's just like okay then what what what's supposed to happen nobody is taught as, as to like this is what's meant to happen this is how this happens like you're going to feel this or this might happen in the beginning and this and that yep. there's none of that and then you find so many like marriages that are just like they're just not working because obviously sex is an important part of a relationship and it's not there because nobody was taught Yep. So is that is 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 that a fault on the on the actual church for not preparing couples enough? Or do no, you think no, it's, it's not the fault of the church, it's the fault of society. The church the, the church is just a microcosm of a larger societal issue. Mm-hmm. It's a the way we do sex and relationships is the is the fault of the patriarchy. It is the fault of white supremacy it is the fault of colonization it is the fault of a whole manner of things that the church may have a hand in and not the church because the church is so broad and so vast like there's so many groups and denominations and dialects and cultural presentations of believers in christ that fall under that that we can't just in good conscience say the church and then really cast these you know sweeping generalizations because there are some churches some ministries that do really well mm-hmm. with you know this if they don't have it in the ministry they do well with like connecting them to valuable resources but then there are some that are really terrible right and that so, complete against it like no it must not be taught in that it's like oh. yeah so what it is though is um you can look at your state or whoever makes the laws in your area that determine whether sex ed is taught in schools like mm. when you when you teach abstinence only, which has not proven to be as even for those who abstain, even if you are a believer and feel like you know God said I got honored abstinence until marriage. I am a believer who believes God honors abstinence until marriage, mm. but I also know that comprehensive sex ed is keeps people safer, and I also know that studies show that folks who actually have access to comprehensive sex ed are actually more likely to delay sexual initiation. And mm. so for me, if the if we're talking specifically about the church, if you want folks not to have sex, teach them sex ed. It's just mm. like the numbers just show, you know, what it is and so that they are making sound decisions. And then we have, it just has connections to so many things because we have folks who are just like dying to have sex be out of fear of missing out because of what tv and porn and their friends and all Again, that tell yeah, them what they're what's missing the, they mm-hmm. don't want to make jesus mad so they hurry up and rush to the altar experience the sex is either good or it's not and then they're like i don't even really like you and right? they're married to you right and the orgasm is over why are you what? still <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and 
that is really what like it, we combat that we can we change the like teaching sex ed and help like intimacy and relationships it reduces the divorce rate like it like it builds autonomy sex comprehensive sex ed reduces the prevalence of child sexual abuse like it is so many cloaks that come off we're pulling mm. the covers off of so many things it's not just that. and people think as you said that like we don't have that as much as it's a problem that we don't have how to do sex conversations, it's the thought that people think that every time you talk about sex ed, you are teaching people how to have sex, which is not the truth. We're not talking about the mechanics of it. That's a different conversation for a different It's day. just the education of sex, like what sex is. What is, is that? It's not teaching you this, is you need to do this, you need to do that. no. Put your leg it's, here. No, we're not right, just- No, it's just talking about, I remember having sex ed um, education at school and um it was very interesting i must say because um my mother I, i'm from an african you know i'm nigerian uh heritage uh, so obviously african um you're not gonna get african parents talking about sex to their kids <laughs> they, they, i don't know any of my friends who have had that conversation about sex with their parents whether it's their mom or dad they've literally had to learn it either um you know at school if they were permitted to because it's like you you can actually um say yes or no for your child to learn to be in these classes no, so it's either that or you learn it from the streets you learn it from you know the tv and friends and conversations and then you know um yeah and and, and actually what i want to ask you as well what age do you think is appropriate to start learning about sex education the, as soon as they can talk there is age appropriate sex education across the lifespan wow. it is like so as soon as you can talk like that's why i said like and it was you know being funny but in reality when you begin to teach them their body parts mm-hmm. that is sex education that is the building block for sex education when you talk to them about sharing when you ask them if they want or giving them permission to say if they want to hug aunt so-and-so or uncle so-and-so not making them sit on people's laps asking mm-hmm. asking mm-hmm. you if you can give them uh, if they can if you can have a kiss asking them if you can in this day of social media do you want your picture taken can I record you Mm. I'm going to post this is that okay like given that agency and autonomy those are the building blocks for consent Mm. in sexual relationships that's how you push back you help them to to develop their voice and control over their body telling like you know we have this thing in my family we had this thing in my family like you couldn't get up from the table until your plate was empty well, but and the crazy part about it is that, but when you think about it, I didn't make my plate. Mom, you made my plate. You decided how much I needed to eat. It wasn't taken into account whether how hungry I was. It wasn't taken into account if I wanted, you know, those food. Now that as, as a parent myself, mm. that part I'm like, you gonna eat what I cook, and if you don't <laughs> want this, then it's the whole refrigerator over there. My kids are old enough. Make yourself like, something. This. You better go make a sandwich or some cereal because I'm not making 99 meals. Like that's not happening. But I've even grown to the place where um, clean your plate still doesn't teach children to listen to their bodies. Mm-hmm. Like we eat until we're full. So then even as adults, we don't want to waste food, but we don't have this idea of like start with smaller portions, make a little plate, let them eat right. that more, they can have more. So those things, like people don't look at that as sex ed but they're really the because we it's like 
now we've moved away from Ronald McDonald and hamburger where McDonald's use breasts to bouncing through the fields to sell French fries. We just get so afraid of when you even just hearing the word grown adults are still whispering. I'm like, why are you whispering? I, that irritates me. So. I used to be that. I can't lie. I, I used to be that person. I really did. Like I was very prudish talking about sex, even in my, you know, late twenties, now in my thirties, I used to, I think I got comfortable with it. Maybe probably in the last few years, like, and even more so last year. And I was just like, you got to know about this thing you can't just not know you have to be prepared be informed and i think it's really about being informed there's nothing wrong with learning about it and most importantly your body yes if nothing else if if not if you're just like i don't want to talk about sexual activity with another person i'm abstaining and if you open that door i'm gonna wind up in the bedroom i don't want to do that I can respect it. Like, you know, your triggers are important and I, I can respect it, but you have to know how your body works. I know there's women who've never looked at their vulva. And I encourage them, like after, if, however your cycle goes regularly, whether you have a cycle or you don't have a cycle, like once a month or so, every couple, every 30 days, take a mirror, hand mirror, and just make sure everybody's where they need to be. All the colors are the same. You know, notice if you have, you know, vaginal secretions, like what color they are, what's the natural odor, right. that if things shift, you know, it's very, you know, getting a vaginal infection is not like a, it's a very common thing, but you need to be able to know so that when you go to the doctor and, uh, you know, particularly as black women, they dismiss our concerns all the time. And so being able to say, no, my body typically does X, Y, and Z. I've been experiencing this for the last couple of howevers. We need to address it. Mm. Don't allow them to dismiss. So when you have your voice and autonomy and agency in the health room, it'll serve you in the boardroom because you know black women they don't pay us attention there either, and it'll serve you in the bedroom. And so just like no longer just having life happen to you, like being an active participant and a decision maker in your own life in whatever sphere that is. Mm, definitely. Oof. Yeah, because I think it, it, yeah, learning about your body is is. It, it is very important, I, I must say, because you need to know what's what. Like, I remember one day I literally sat down and I went and looked online and literally looked at the female body, like, even just as if, like, I've never learned anything before. Like, okay, so what parts of this? What does this do? What does this? And I was just like, gosh, God really created this body in some phenomenal. The I mean, body. he did his good creating. <laughs> that is real. Like the things the female body can do Absolutely. and just produce. I'm just like, wow. People need to inform themselves about what what body, what how your body works. And like, I know that um, like I said, it was hard to talk about sex and you know the body and stuff like that. Even one of my guy friends was just like, you kind of need to know this stuff. Like it's not, and and he's a Christian, and I was just like, and at first I was like, why are you talking to me about this? But then I thought, wait you know only and only only a fool would despise wisdom that's you know that's you know so I was listening to him he was like well yeah you kind of like need to know what your body does and what 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 each function regardless of sex but what it really really does because when you now get into a relationship or your marriage and you know you're having you know you're about to have sex and you don't know what's going on like and I think some women actually um it's, it's been said it's been noted that a lot of women when it's their first time they seize up because they don't know what's about to happen and 
that progresses for a very long time to where like months on end they have not had sex since they got married and it causes issues um you know in relationships so like what are the kind of expectations that women women need to to start thinking about when it comes to having sex for the first time um I don't, I don't really want you to come in with any expectations outside of expect to be respected and honored and valued. If you're having sex, particularly the first time with your husband, expect that he will listen to you and be attentive to you and those kind of things, because that should be an expectation of a husband just in general. Mm-hmm. Well, I want you to have, give yourself grace because you don't know what's going on you don't know how your body's going to respond if you've never had sex before if you never had sex with this particular partner it's going to be a learning curve like you have to you have to you know figure each other out figure it out you have to figure out what you know what's going to work this is a sensation that you've never had before so don't come in already comparing what you can and can't do to Mm -hmm. whatever's been said before because when you have that pressure that performance anxiety it that adds to the clenching up that adds a lot of times like um vaginal pain or sexual pain is because like attention that is either right at you know right at the entrance or somewhere internal because people are like you said like kind of bracing themselves for what get ready to happen because they're because that's another thing a myth that is perpetuated that the first time has to hurt and so people are fearful that, you know, you those euphemism, like, you know, popping the cherry and all of that and thinking about your hymen tearing and like all of those things. And it's just like, it's a lot of fear. Like you just like can visually see like something just like busting through and tearing everything off. <laughs> I've had that vision. I can't lie. <laughs> I can't lie. I have. That's been a vision of Because it's and like, yeah, damn. <laughs> And right, and the thing is that it doesn't have to be like that. It mm-hmm. um it may be some discomfort depending on the situation, but it may not. And the thing is that that's what you know arousal is for, ensuring that you are being sufficiently aroused before penetration. Like that's everybody. People want to just get to the main show, get to the main, mm-hmm. put the penis in. And it's like slow down, like enjoy the experience, explore each other's bodies, like look at your body, take time, look at your body together take your time cleaning yourself all of that is like preparation for the thing and what happens is as the more and more you get aroused the more like your vaginal come out um elongates and then the more lubrication it comes and that was kind of works against the pain and you're able to relax so that you don't have that muscle tension pain and you are fully act fully lubricated so you don't have the friction like rubbing burning pain mm-hmm. like there is Take your time and then don't think that, first of all, porn is terrible in as much as it's fake and people want to recreate that and then you realize that you can't because you don't have a sound mixer and a fluffer and a director and uh, you don't have all of that that. in your bedroom. It's just y'all and y'all regular old people don't you know regular old thing all right amazingly though like it's not like basic in like a negative way this is like i'm human and i'm normal and i'm just gonna do what you normal humans do right <laughs> about it and then as you grow and as you learn each other you expand little by little there's no timeline there's no race if y'all are married y'all in this for a lifetime y'all have the rest of your lives to bust it wide like take your time ease into that thing I've always said this I'm just and, and this is what I, I I've always had that and I know that that's that's how it's meant to be because you've never had sex for the first at all 
you're going to get married you've got your whole lifetime to explore but then there's the frustration of guys wanting to have sex before and that's that's my issue and that's probably why I've been single for such a long time because you know a lot of the guys that I meet it's just sex they just want sex even grown men and I'm, I'm like okay I respect the fact that you 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 have been sexually active I respect that but can you respect someone that hasn't can you be selfless can you think of that other person are you able to wait are you able to restrain yourself do you like this I mean obviously they've got to like you enough but it's just like even still then they try and like I'm just not here for any of it and I'm like why can't you just wait why can't you just wait and right. it's all down to you whether even if you if you like someone great pursue a relationship with them like genuinely and intentionally because yeah. anyway if you're not the heart will show and god will reveal your, yeah. your true intentions and i think the difficult part with finding partners who are also abstaining is that i am not a person who believes that or sees the merit in being with a partner who is abstaining only because you're abstaining mm. because if for me, abstinence is a heart posture. Abstinence is a desire to serve God in a particular way, right? With Through this sacrifice, through this obedience and mm-hmm. all those things. So it's the only reason why you are not doing, like if you were with anyone else who didn't have the same standard, you would be doing it. Then I, that's not a, that's not something, that's not a relationship that I will pursue because mm-hmm. when those moments undoubtedly come where I'm weak, I need you to. You to need to fight be strong. Fight. Yeah, you need to be like, babe, it's okay. Okay, and like you know, it's because the thing is, if we are on that same wave, we're in that same mindset. We are both like, God, this is what we're doing for you. Mm-hmm. It's not about me because the thing is, like, I'm. We're not saving ourselves for our husbands. Mm-hmm. We are abstaining for God because He asked. This is not for a man. It's not for no no human being. This is for the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so I need my partner to also recognize that he's saving his body as well mm-hmm. for the Lord. Like saving your body is not a woman shaped thing. Like this is, is it. They think it's just the women. And and this is this is the narrative that so many have fallen for and it continues to be perpetuated that abstaining is just the woman thing it's the woman she must abstain but for a guy oh no you can just you can just be ho about town basically you know like sorry i have to use that word but that's just how it is you can be that around town you know but for the women no it's it's just like no you have to it's the women did it keep yourself keep yourself but no who's telling the men to keep themselves to themselves do you get what I mean? And and that that's what really frustrates me. And I think I don't know how that's ever going to change. If it will change, you know, for people to really realize that men, you need to step up. You actually need to kind of like be the ones to be doing your own part in this in this conversation about sex. And I guess also being res- being able to restrain yourself will help when it comes to um you know when your wife is about to have your baby when she's pregnant and she can't and you and yes I, I i've heard that you know you can still have sex at so many months pregnant but there might come a time where you actually can't where it's too painful for can you hold yourself can you right be like i'm not gonna i'm okay with it i'm okay with it you know she's carrying my child i can yep. respect that because some men will just step out on the web because they just need that and they're not getting it and it's like but the where's, where's nobody, the loyalty and the respect for the you know yeah nobody needs 
sex. Like that's not like a need. Like you can want it a whole lot. You can desire it. It's a need. It's a it's a need for like for men and women. You know, sex is a need. It's it was created to be a need. Like, it's not food is a need. Water <laughs> is a need. Arguably, Jesus right. need like right, right. you know. And now it could be a strong want. It can be a desire. Like you, your quality of life when you have a like this culture of sexual excellence, and like you have equitable access and equitable pleasure and all those things. Like your life mm-hmm. is, you know, the quality of life, your well being is. Better. But the thing is, like you're not going to die without it. And so that is the problem. That is the narrative that men need. And so we make excuses for their behavior, Mm -hmm. whether it is stepping out on a partner, whether, which oftentimes men who step out is not the, it's rare that is, oh, she's not giving me money, so I'm a leader. There's other issues Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. working there. Um, But, you know, that's why the conversation of abstinence is most often vulva shaped because it's just like it's too much to think mm. that a man would abstain and so then when you have a man who is abstaining there's something wrong with him he may be gay and like it's all of these like because we cannot fathom a man where a, a world where a man would just make the decision to be abstinent right sex, sex. so then and because we're positioning it as a need that then still keeps a woman as responsible in service to meet that need yeah and because for us, it's not viewed as a need. Then when you have those relationships with higher desire women, those cries go fall on deaf ears mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because, oh, you'll be all right. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's, it's a lot. All right. So I want to ask you, what are, the four, what are the different forms of intimacy apart from sex, you know, you know full penetration? Like what other types of intimacy? Because obviously you have the intimacy firm. So there must be like lots of different other ways of being intimate with someone than um than just penetration yeah absolutely so the thing is that intimacy is not intercourse like that's a myth that we use the word intimacy to replace the word sex most often when we say we're being intimate with our partner we mean we're having sex with them and that's not that's because that's we want to use a cute word to wrap it in because we don't like to say sex (laughs) but intimacy as a concept is like this deep exchange of vulnerabilities and knowledge of like the intricacies of one another one of my favorite sexologists said it's called uh, defines intimacy as being seen being heard and being valued and she talks about when emotional vulnerability is met with emotional security then that's where you have intimacy Mm. and so there are there is there is sexual intimacy but then there is physical intimacy that doesn't involve sex it's more about proximity and allowing folks in you know your what we call our personal space uh, personal space and wanting folks to be around there's social intimacy being allowing your partner to show like if you have like a a quirky interest like that you know that you feel like the world may not like or judge you for like if you you know you're you know black person from North Philly like North Philadelphia here in the states and like you know you wear sweatpants and Timberlands and like you you know walking it away people are going to assume a thought about you but right right biggest Mm -hmm. Comic-Con fan in a world like dress in full costume and all of that and it like kind of sits outside of your typical what's thought to be your personality right but you let your partner into that Comic-Con world like y'all share that space and uh, she's here she's able to see 
that side of you, right? The social intimacy. And then there's financial intimacy. Like, do y'all have access to each other's bank accounts? Do y'all know how much each other makes? Like, mm-hmm. if I need, do, can you borrow money? Like those, that's, you know, financial intimacy. Then there's the spiritual intimacy, which is not just germane to romantic relationships. Mm-hmm. Like when you ask somebody to pray for you, when you're really going through and you, and you give them, and when they say, how can I pray for you? You, some, you know, we're like, just pray for life, health, and strength. And it's like, you know, God will figure out the rest of it. But when it really is like, my marriage is falling apart. I'm, I think my son might, I think my son might be gay and I don't know where my next meal is coming from. Like those type of prayers Mm -hmm. that's intimate there we have an intimate or at least we should have an intimate connection with god that really is like the blueprint for how we do intimacy in all you know in all other in all other areas and then there's the emotional you know emotional intimacy and things like that where it's like you know can i tell you my deepest darkest secret do you know my trauma like you know those, those kind of things can i ask you for something that I want and know that you're not going to judge me for it. You know, there, you know, we can I tell you my hopes and my dreams and my five-year plan and like all of those. And where it's like, we're both in a space where we can be vulnerable because being in love and being in a relationship is risky <laughs> and vulnerability is risky. Love is a risk. But when you, the big, big risk, great reward is that being like, as I'm sure Myra says, being a hundred percent seen, a hundred percent heard, knowing that, you know, that, you know, that all of the things about you, good, bad, ugly, and different are seen, heard, and valued. Mm. That's what intimacy is in all spaces, all facets. Uh, So sex, as it relates to that, it's just a very small part Mm -hmm. of the overall um experience so if we reduce it to just intercourse to just penetration because even if we look at sexual we are so we love penetration so much but there's so much more to sex than just being penetrated yeah like there's so because i think so then what happens if you have a trans or erectile dysfunction or you have some type of medication that is impacting like the ability to be penetrated you think that your sex life is over but there's so much more to do to engage sexually to be erotic to be aroused arousing all the things that don't involve penis and vagina penetration so can you tell us about those type of things then because um because i i (laughs) it was last year i learned that um uh a female doesn't necessarily orgasm from penetration it can be other ways as well and i was shocked i did not know this this was only last year i Mm -hmm. i i I learned this and i was like wow I think think the numbers are about at 70% or so somewhere in that range of women report not orgasming from penetration or penetration alone. Yeah. Um, Now, most women, majority of women require clitoral stimulation to orgasm. So um, what, so we're thinking about other ways to be there is anything that would involve stimulating the clitoris if that's you know oral sex if that's like manual manual stimulation um depending on your position on it there's um you know sex toys and like those type of things um and really just like massages and you know kissing is a very underrated um like doing a massage with no hands like my um another colleague of mine dr lex brown james she took gary uh gary chapman's love languages yeah and turn them into sexual activities. So where you fall on your love language quiz, she created like that chart 
of like sexual activities that would uh, lean into your sensibility, your natural sensibility based wow. on what your love language okay. love language is. So like if, it, if your love language is um, gifts, then, you know, receiving oral sex with no expectation of reciprocation would, would you know, work with your love language is an act of service, you know, um, a massage with no hands. Like, you know, that, that. Mis- <laughs> wait, 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 hold on a minute. Wait, 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 wait. A massage with no hands. Okay, my, my, my mind is thinking like, wait, what does that include? What does that involve exactly? Because I'm like. Uh, what? Let your imagination <laughs> flow. <laughs> wow! Oh my gosh! Uh, I just learned something new. <laughs> yep. Um. Yeah. Her name is Lex Brown James. She's the couples clinician. Um. Lex Sex Doc on Instagram and uh, other young ladies spoke with um, sexologist Shamira on Instagram. They have really great. Um, resources. Actually, Shamira has a book called, it's actually right here, called um, Use Your Mouth. It's, um, and she has a card deck that goes with it. I know, look at your face. So it's called Use Your Mouth, but it's pocket-sized conversations to simply increase seven types of intimacy in and out of the bedroom. So basically what, you, what we're talking about now, yeah. use your mouth, meaning talk, have the conversation, yeah. get, in, like, get into the nitty gritty of who and what you are and what you want. And so that's how you really increase intimacy and draw each other closer through connection okay. um, regarding sex and then also beyond it. It creates that, like, again, it's the difference between the quantity of sexual activity and the quality of the culture, the sexual culture. culture around it, yeah. Um, yeah, so I have some questions um, that some of my friends wanted to know. And that's obviously from a Christian perspective, because, you know, we sometimes have these discussions and it's like, you know, would you or wouldn't you or not? Or how would you feel? And there are a few things that came up. And I think the main things that came up quite a bit. Should Christians engage in oral sex? Uh, should they use sex toys? Um, and of course, we've discussed about learning about sex before marriage, which is <laughs> is a given that you need to learn at least know about it being formed and all and and they mentioned bdsm as well which i was very shocked so what's your stance on christians with oral sex and sex toys christians on oral sex mm-hmm. i mean if you know you're married and <laughs> by all means do your thing have your <laughs> have your way like i'm not i mean but seriously i've not come across any contextually accurate um, scriptural exegesis that forbids oral sex as it right right as it relates to sex toys it really is one of those like personal things so again there were no sex toys in the bible so you can't say oh the bible says no but like you know that like that umbrella word like pornea where we get um the root word for sexual immorality if you know pornea is the root word for pornography Porn, like so yeah. there are like arguments that can be made that that lends itself in that direction but it really is one of those things where because i've had folks look at it turn away and feel like it pulls them away from the marital connection because then it becomes dependent on on that particular, particular thing, thing right. right but then there's also a, another sexologist friend of mine goody howard she teaches a really good class on um so, uh, pleasure aids for those with chronic illnesses 
right how, you know you aren't able to your body are, isn't functioning the way it typically functions so your mobility or things like that is different um and so this benefits you know for circulation and like all of those you know things there are um studies that talk about you know the heart health of and heart health benefits of you know ejaculation and things things in that days and then you have couples who are long distance you are married couples who are long distance deployed all of those That's things it. like a mutual masturbation situation where these are two married adults who are engaging with one another but just happen to be a at a you know at a distance it's just really for most things it really gets down to the motive and the heart of the matter and right we're sneaking and doing it if there's like not like like what is the purpose like if it has no connection to your marital relationship and building that I will it's not even a matter of whether it's right or wrong but like the why though is what that's where I would um dig into there okay all right um yeah I hope that answers questions because yeah there's always this talk about like oil sex and sex toys should they should they because there was a lot of a lot of people frown upon it a lot of christians well like a lot of churches frown upon it like no it's a sin but it's like but if you're using it to use your if you're um if you're in your marriage and you both decide let's explore I guess there's nothing wrong with it because you both agree to it and it's fine right mm-hmm. yeah I mean it really again it was just the, like I don't know if I could say blanketly like whatever y'all want to do and y'all both cool with it go do it because then y'all both can be on some nonsense and so y'all both can be wrong <laughs> so I can't um I can't say that but the thing yeah. is it, it, it starts you start with the word and then build out from there you start with the word then you build with you then you go to your um, partner and have the conversation mm-hmm. and really build from there as far as how does this serve us mm-hmm. how does this um does this in any way shape or form um, dishonor, mm-hmm. dishonor God, because because there's also this thing that we can think about. It, certain things may not be explicit mm-hmm. in the text, but that doesn't mean oh the Bible is silent about it, so let's go do it. Because the Bible yeah. also says everything that is lawful is an expedient. So there may be things that you can do, and nobody's going to really be mad about it. But should you? Yeah, just because you can doesn't mean you yeah. should. Kind of thing. Yeah, that yeah. that that's that right there is another thing because should you shouldn't you so um what i feel like for you your 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 process is to normalize the the discussion about sex and for people not to be uh shameful about it because i think it's because there's so much more that i want to talk about and i think we might have to re we might have to um sort of <laughs> revisit this another time but really go in depth about some other stuff and some some real key stuff about sex itself but I feel like your um your mission is to normalize like sex like it's it's fine but just understand it and understand the, the education behind it which is really important so what would you what would you say to uh Christians who are very uh coy and prudish and kind of like oh no we must not talk about sex no like it it can't be discussed and you know you must wait till marriage go you know wait till marriage and not prepare or not know what to expect when you on that first day like what do you say to those type of people I would see and the thing is that so my my 
uh, promotion has always been about sexual authenticity, right? And there are going to be people who are never going to stand in the town square shouting sex and penis and dildo from the top of their lungs. It's just <laughs> never going to happen, right? And so that is okay. Like there are folks who are very happy, very thrilled with their lives, and they have missionary sex three days a week, fancy stuff maybe on anniversaries and birthdays, and that's the way they live and that's that's also fine mm-hmm. it is those issues or that if a particular way of being is rooted in a error and some misinformation mm-hmm. or rooted in shame that's really where my work is so i'm like sis bro do your thing be you but know this so if you know all of this have all this information and this is still the way you are who, who are me? Who am I to tell you to be different? So I don't come to like make everybody like me. That's not what my mission is. I want them to be a hundred percent themselves. And so if you feel that anything, God said everything that he touched, everything that he made that was good. He said there was nothing that, that was made that didn't come through him. I think John said something about everything that was made was whatever the scripture was y'all know what it is in there it says i my hand is in everything basically yeah. what god is saying yeah. this me all of this mm-hmm. and so nothing that i touch can be called unclean mm-hmm. right and so if god is saying if god created it if god designed it and you are aligned with his way and will as it relates to it when you are calling it what god's thing dirty then now you have an issue with him. Mm-hmm. So let's look at that. Let's look at how you look at God. Right. And how you look at any other thing that he created. And most often, how you look at yourself. Because a lot of people who look at sex as dirty, there's some internal shame happening as well. Right. Because they look at sex as dirty, but they still have sex. And that's like a cognitive dissonance that I just can't, like that really burdens my heart is because mm-hmm you feel this way about this activity that you are subjecting yourself to regularly. So let's deal with that. Mm-hmm. Because if, if you think that sex is dirty, I absolutely don't want you to have sex until you work through that. Right. Like you shouldn't be having sex if you think it's dirty. And we hope people learn that or understand that. Because it just, it's just frustrating when you think it's dirty and then you then say, and then you like you said, you're then doing it and then telling other people not to do it, but you're doing the same thing that you, you're you very negative about. Like, how does that work? Like, that's it's such a, the most hypocritical uh, thing ever. And, you know, and then just young people just... There's so much. I mean, there's, there's so much to this thing. Like, the, the, the whole issue of sex, it goes so deep. And, you know, and, and I know there's so much more we can talk about because, you know, we haven't even talked, even scratched the surface on like sexual traumas, um, you know, things that happen from people when they were young or even as adults and the the relationship with sex, the, the, the perceptions as well. There is so much more that I know that we could talk about and we probably will, I think, in more detail at some point. But, um, but you know, it's, it's just been absolutely awesome speaking to you. <laughs> I feel like this is just, we're just smooth, barely smooth or scratch the surface uh, with this conversation so um so yeah it's, it's just been absolutely fantastic so thank you so much thank um you. for uh, for joining me um on this episode talking about you know you know sex and 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 the church and just you know the concepts the the, the thoughts about 
you know about sex and whatnot so in terms of like your your web series and the things that you do how can people get in contact with you you know to talk more in detail about you know what you do and intimacy and how to get that going how can people reach you absolutely so if you want to be a part of my like social media community and like the daily shenanigans that we have going on ah, i've seen a couple of them is <laughs> <laughs> at is <laughs> at the intimacy firm on all platforms instagram twitter facebook um and youtube so if you want to catch catch up on season one and two of my vulva and me um you can do that on my YouTube page. Just search the Intimacy Firm on YouTube and pull up my channel. Um, season three is actually premiering May 2nd. I think that's Tuesday. Whatever that first Tuesday in May, I'm pretty sure that's May 2nd. Um, with like, I can't wait to release the lineup. Like the season premieres is going to be like bananas. Like I'm just like over the moon about it. And if you um, want to do some like one-on-one work and you're one of those people that's like, oh yeah, I think sex is dirty, but I'm also having sex and I want to do some work around that. I want to do some work around learning my body or you saw Veronica and you was like, what is that? And you want to learn more. Um, you want to do some one-on-one like coaching with me, www.theintimacyfirm.com. Mm-hmm. You can um, reach me there to do one-on-one counseling. If you um, have like a church or a women's group or a girls night um, that you want to do my um, my signature workshop daring discussions is a sex and relationships game night and we yeah so we kind of we play games but really like really get into is that for couples or is that for singles singles couples so it's, it's a custom game night so whoever the group is I customize the games towards that group yep. wow yep. okay yep interesting interesting COVID we've been doing them virtually and with depending on when folks book I've been sending them like their game night kits Mm -hmm. so we all have the same materials and we're doing the same thing and so really just like create like an amazing experience and you can do all of that through my website theintimacyfirm.com wow amazing amazing well Brittany honestly it has but an absolute pleasure speaking to you um you definitely blown my mind (laughs) on a lot of things as well and just being you know just been super open about it and i think um you know as you're listening or even watching just like you know just have the conversation don't be too like as they say rigid about it you know talk about it be free to talk about it learn about your body and learn about what what does what go on youtube it will teach you different parts of your bodies and you know and just learn to accept like who you are be authentic for you uh, which is the most important thing. So thank you once again. It's been an absolute pleasure. <laughs> it was. It was really great. I'm excited. Thank you.